G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A divided America ahead of the upcoming presidential election. All eyes around the world are getting fixed on this year's American presidential elections uh, set down for the 3rd of November. And, of course, as you know, what happens in America typically affects the whole world and those sorts of ripples affect us here in Australia too. The ultimate challenge between Republican President Donald Trump and Democrat former Vice President Joe Biden. It's already a bitter contest. From where we stand, the United States looks to be a deeply divided nation. Where the emotions that we've seen in the Black Lives Matter riots may be indicative of the way Democrats and Republicans deeply dislike one another. Some even go so far as to say hate one another. Well, some recently reported research showed that nearly half of the US thinks the Republican Party has been taken over by racists. And on the other side, nearly half think the Democrats have been overtaken by socialists. Donald Trump rose to power, winning the confidence of the broad base of American Christians, who had felt marginalised, even victimised, by the cultural and social changes that flooded in under Barack Obama. Well, some insights today into the battle for Christian and family values in the US, and what's at stake when Americans go to the polls later this year. Our special guest this coming hour is Ed Martin. Ed is president of the Eagle Forum. He leads what's known as the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. He was the nominated successor, taking the reins from the renowned Phyllis Schlafly, who for 45 years was one of the most effective defenders of conservative values in the United States. Ed Martin is a social conservative and a member of the Republican National Committee. He's also a member of the Trump campaign's Coalition for Life. Ed Martin, special welcome along to 2020. Well, it's so great to be with you, Neil, and I have such uh, great uh, memories. Uh, a few years ago, I came over for a few weeks uh, to Australia and visited with Babette Francis, the great founder of Endeavor Forum, and then went around the country meeting with uh, conservatives and being uh, being fortified and, and having fellowship on our uh, conservative and Christian mission. So that's great memories and great to be with you. I know I've been on your program in the past, so grateful for a chance to talk with you, and I, I, I ask God's blessing on you and me and our listeners as we talk. Ed, divisions in the U.S. ahead of the upcoming election, and uh, these might be deep in the U.S., but they're also overflowing into nations all around the world. Uh, What are your perceptions around that word, the idea of divisions? I mean, is it a good thing? I mean, you do want to have a whole lot of difference that you're highlighting in the lead up to a presidential election, but what are your thoughts around the depth of the divisions that are seen right now? Yeah, well, well, one thing, Neil, is that I have I am grateful for a call 
for our nation uh, to repent and to turn to the Lord. Uh, I, you know, I, I was looking before we got on together, and I was thinking about our time, and I was, you know, our great Constitution, you know, which is so renowned around the world and is, is so respected, uh, that founding document, it has things in it that you sort of marvel that men could do. And in, in, in many ways, I, many of us believe it was so divinely inspired. But in that founding document, one of the key, the preamble, and you may all know this, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm telling you things, but the preamble begins with this phrase, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, even at the time of our founding, we all knew, our founders knew, we needed to be more perfect. You know, we needed to, we, we all have a, a need. And in America, in the last 50 years, we've turned from the Lord in very specific ways, in our communities, in our schools, in terms of prayer and God in our schools, and then in specifically in policy with the rampant increase in legal abortion. So I'm excited about a challenge to we the people to turn, right, to turn. Now, I do feel like in this country now that the biggest problem is the way the media and, and the, you know, for the Trump is popular, President Trump has popularized the fake news, has characterized what's happening. And it's really a business model that tries to make people crazy. And it's very effective in some sense. So we have real need to be more perfect. We have real need for repentance. I tend to think it's in different areas than the media wants. But I think it's always a good uh, conversation and even a good challenge to us to really feel it in our hearts and souls and then proceed forward. The, the, and I'm sorry, it's a long answer, Neil, but the danger I feel in America is not that we don't see our brokenness, our sinfulness and ways to be better to each other. It's that we're frozen in inaction and, and only the evil among us are burning buildings or tearing down statues. And, and not all of them, you know, some of them, and, and I don't mean to be too broad, but we, the people that feel the need to uh, move closer towards what I think are our founding values and our Judeo-Christian roots, need to act. We need to be bold in the truth. And that's a harder thing to do right now. The, the culture is trying to silence and, and cause self-censorship. So it's a very tough time, but in some ways, it's also a great time because there's a lot of awareness. Well, it's clear that Donald Trump was able to flourish under the same sorts of tensions in the lead up to the last presidential election. No doubt uh, there's a different set of circumstances that have begun to evolve in the US here. But let me ask you here, Ed, because it's not just a division, is it, between Republicans and Democrats? Because for a long time there's been division even within the Republican Party around Trump. What do you see about those sorts of divisions? Are some of those yeah, healing, yeah. Uh, or are they, yeah, are they still a, deep? No, that's a great question, too. I think that one of the things is both parties in America, and I, you mentioned the Republican National Committee, on which I, I, I was a member for years, uh, and, and the Democrat Party, our two parties, you know, Australia and other uh, uh, nations have often have multiple parties or they have coming and going. We really are stuck with two. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. But the two parties, if I can say, had become very uh, lackadaisical in, in its connection to the people. And the Democrat Party would say, well, we're the people. We're the party of the working people. We, we were early on the labor movement. But they had gone far from those roots. And the Republican Party, which had been about freedom and opportunity and enterprise had become dominated in some ways by a corporate culture, you know, a big business culture. So you're right about the shit, the, the, the divisions. Let me just answer about the Republican party. The, the 97% of Republicans say they're, they're for Donald Trump. 
In other words, there's no there's very few people now in the Republican Party that aren't for this president. The question is, has the party moved its positions permanently towards what I would say is a very pro-life, very politically incorrect and confident in the public square? That's how Trump acts. And also a much more America first, we call it. You've heard the phrase. So and I'm not sure that's happened yet. I think one of the high stakes in the fall election is a second full term, four more years, will really solidify that shift in the Republican Party. But as a practical matter, there is no challenge within the Republican Party. It is now the party of Donald Trump and uh, and rise or fall. He is the leader of this party. Ed, when we talk about deepening uh, issues of division in the U.S., it hasn't been helped uh, by the really significant spread of coronavirus throughout the U.S. and, of course, the Black Lives Matter issues around the death of George Floyd. Let's start dealing with the coronavirus for a few moments because uh, something like 120,000 Americans have died and uh, people are looking to... Donald Trump for leadership here, and some will be a little bit swayed uh, that there, there's not enough leadership yeah. happening. What are your thoughts around the yeah. crisis? No, I, I think that's, I think you've put your finger on something. It's almost unheard of. You know, if you're a student of, of history and you like to read history and literature, you can read the, you know, the, the Decameron of Boccaccio and Manzoni's, uh, uh, the, the betrothed, and all these times where they discover, they, they describe the plague when it hits. Very unprecedented, right? Here's one thing I would tell you. In America, until what I call the great pause, the, the, the coronavirus pause, until that hit, we had experienced such a strong economic growth, such strong economic growth, but it was in every sector. So you didn't have an economy that was growing for just, say, agriculture or just business. All the boats were lifting in a very high Trump economic tide. And it was extraordinary. You had the lowest unemployment for African-Americans, for Hispanic Americans, for women. I mean, just unbelievable, solid, really robust. And then the great pause and the whole country shut down. You know, say what you want about Americans in some ways, when a, an a authority figure who they have, 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 been, have grown to trust said, we have a serious problem. It's a serious threat stop. We all did. I mean, we really did. And, and whether you go back and say, was it a right move or wrong move? Doesn't matter now. We did it. And so the economy deflated. And when it deflated, it would hit harder on lower, lower uh, income workers, which tended to be both poorer people generally, but also uh, higher minorities. And so we have this sort of choppiness. A, a couple of things. I think most people feel that the president and, and the governors of our states, we have these big states, New York, California, the governors, um, did the best they could. And I think that the people are more, um, they're less judgmental, they're more forgiving of how hard it was. On the other hand, in politics, you get voted on on where people are at the moment. And as we head towards November, you have two, two real significant challenges. The economy is starting to come back, but it's not. Huge unemployment numbers, it's a challenge. And second, People are still dying. This is still a, a serious disease. And, you know, if you're in the big seat, as we say, in the big chair in the Oval Office, you're going to get some of that drag. So I think the president has done the best he can. I think he's done some things very well. I think we've been proud of our ability to adjust our health care system to make sure we weren't going to have a situation where, um, you know, we didn't have beds, we didn't have ventilators. We avoided that. But we're dealing with a, a serious um, health 
uh, crisis, and we're going to continue to. So I think it's kind of unknown how the fall uh, impacts the president and his party. Uh, but we're we're you know we're also in America. We really end up not with a, an argument about the two parties. It's head to head. So it's Joe Biden and his life and record and Donald Trump, and it becomes more person on person than perhaps, you know, vote for this party. That's We don't vote in the same way that sometimes people say, I'll take the Labour or I'll take the Conservative parties. Ed, stay with this uh, racial tension just for a few moments, because in the US yeah. there's been underlying racial tension that's gone on right back to the civil rights movement. And when yeah. you've got coronavirus uh, causing the economic crisis and then an overflow with Black Lives Matter, uh, there's some connections here where all of those underlying tensions that have been simmering along for decades all of a sudden overflow. Yeah. And uh, people are pointing the finger at Donald Trump over the issue around Black Lives Matter. What are your thoughts around, uh, around what, yeah. how he's responding here? Well, Neil, I have a very specific and, and, and maybe interesting perspective. I was the chairman of the Missouri Republican Party, our state uh, party for the Republicans, uh, at the time of Michael Brown and the famous Ferguson riots. And the day after Michael Brown died, the day after, before anything had been burned down or any crisis, I visited the scene of, of, of his death. And I, I went with a pastor, a black pastor friend of mine, no, no, no media, no press. We prayed there. We talked about it. And then I watched how the media and the world saw Ferguson and, and were told a different narrative than I, than I, I couldn't believe it. I had been there, you know, it's, it wasn't as simple as Michael Brown was a good guy or bad guy. The same thing with the cop. It was much more about something that happens in what we call human living and human life. So I watched that and I'm very aware of how the media takes a narrative on a story. Um, we have a problem in America, especially in our urban cities, our urban centers where we haven't given our young people, especially paths out. America at its best did certain things like the GI Bill after World War II, which vaulted a lot of the immigrant um, um, Christians and, and, and Jews out of lower class into the middle class because the GI Bill was uh, primarily uh, university education. You could use it to go. If you fought in the war, anybody could get this money. And they all, all these men mostly got out of the lower class. In America, we trapped low-income, mostly African-Americans in failing urban schools and in places like you saw the riots, Minneapolis and, and Los Angeles and St. Louis, we had this cycle of poverty that stuck. And I don't blame people who are angry, but I do blame the narrative that's told about the cause. You know, America has improved. I mentioned in the preamble, uh, a more perfect union. We have improved every year of my life, which is 50 years. And, and certainly in the last 60 or 70, not perfect, but improved in opportunities, improved in how we treat each other, improved in protections under the law. So when you see the divisions, and you know, CNN is, when I was in Australia, when I lived in Indonesia for a year, about 25 years ago, you know, CNN was the, is the dominant voice. They really have become uh, not fair and honest. They really have become uh, the enemy of, of truth. And so the message, that the narrative that they've taught about anger and racial strife it's not accurate. It doesn't mean that there aren't people who are angry, but the, the society is growing better and better. You know, Donald Trump in his first three years did two things that no Democrat ever did and that probably no Republican could have done. One was he passed a law that actually let a whole bunch of people out of prison. 
Now, you know, as like a card-carrying kind of conservative like me, I don't like that too much. But Donald Trump said we need to do this. There's people that were sentenced to 10 years in prison for a nonviolent crime. Most of those people were black and brown, and they got out of prison. The other thing Donald Trump did was historically fund, I mean, to highest levels, he funded the historically black colleges because he said that's a place where we can put more money to help more people who have been stuck in broken education. So my point here is the media has sought to make a narrative like they did with Michael Brown. And I honor the anger of people. They should be honored. It doesn't matter why they're angry, but I discount the narrative. And I think one of the things in America that I think you'll see as we push through this is the people who are killing, you know, there was a killing in this Seattle area where they have this occupied area last two nights ago, as the violence and killing slides away, there'll be a more serious conversation about what can we do better and how well we're doing. And I, I just, I think it's a very hard, very hard for me to see the world uh, looking at us and thinking, wow, look how terrible it is. Life in America is really, really wonderful and we can always do better. And I think we will be, but it's, um, you know, it, it, we ought to honor the, the feelings and look better. But let me say, I'm sorry, Neil, it's a rambling answer. Police brutality, there's always bad actors in any uh, system. And most of the systems where there have been police brutality are dominated and, and run by liberal Democrats. And I'm all for holding people accountable. The man who hurt and killed uh, Mr. Floyd should be prosecuted, held accountable. No, I have no problem. I'm, I, conservatives want that. But we also need to talk about that the system isn't racist. There are racists in, in, in places, and, and many of us have biases, right? We have biases that we have to do better about, but the system isn't racist, and our law enforcement has not been racist. Bad apples, yeah, but not racist, um, and, and I think that's an unfortunate uh, depiction. Yep. So we got challenges like a lot of places. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Ed Martin, who is president of the Eagle Forum. And he's also, as we mentioned a little earlier in the introduction, member of Trump, the Trump campaign's Coalition for Life. So some more to talk about when it comes to pro-life issues and where Donald Trump stands on those things, because certainly a lot of that doesn't get reported in mainstream media. Uh, we're taking calls 1-800-316-316. First of all, let's take a call from Shelby. Hi, Shelby. Welcome. Hey, um, Neil, uh, Ed, I uh, love what you're chatting about. You know, um, I, um, I very much love the way that uh, God is using Jesus. I mean, he's using Trump um, in that sense. You know, because um, um, we're looking at a situation where uh, God will use um, anybody, anything, anytime, whenever he wants. And I think Trump is uh, an instrument there um, in so many ways. And not only that, I love what Marlene, or Melina, uh, Melina says about him. Um, he, she says, um, <coughs> his foot in it. He's not perfect. Um, and yeah. <laughs> and um, she says a couple more little things, but the one thing she says is, I love him. And, you know, what I love is the fact that she's sticking by him. And, you know, Trump did one other mm-hmm. thing too. I'm going to go back to Marlene said. He did what no other president promised to do, and a number of them did, um, Bush, um, Carter, and so on. They're all good. But he put the American uh, embassy into the capital, Jerusalem, of Israel. And so 
God's reckoning. Look, I'm not his judge. That's right. Shelby, great points you're making there. And uh, we might want to talk yeah. about uh, Jerusalem. But, but let's come back to a point that Shelby is making here. Trump's not perfect uh, and but he did make a, a very strong point there at the beginning when he said that God uses sort of imperfection here, and I wonder whether you've got a comment there, Ed, around uh, and a response for Shelby. Yeah, I do a very specific one. First of all, I agree. Uh, Melania Trump, Mrs. Trump, was raised behind communist uh, curtain in uh, Slovenia, I believe it was. And her family was, they were a communist. They were forbidden to go to church. She, she has spoken about going to church in her home, secret church, because they couldn't go. So she knows what, what, what's what, and, and I believe that that is right. But here's a story I want to tell you. I found, I found this so powerful because we, we hope that all of us can improve. And we even hope that some of us will be touched by the Holy Spirit and become, you know, uh, fountains of real, of grace for our, our, our family and our friends. Donald Trump has spoken about being pro-abortion as a younger man. And he said, he told the story that he met a friend and the friend said, we're thinking of getting an abortion. And then the friend said, we decided not to. And then Donald Trump said, a year or two later, I met that baby. And I suddenly realized what the baby meant and that I couldn't be for abortion. Now, if you think about and then he's that's and he says, that's why I'm pro-life. And as he's elected president, he has been the best president for fighting not just the abortion uh, legal problems. Uh, the, the Mexico City Protocol, we call it, which is uh, stopping money going to international organizations that pay for abortion. He stopped the U.N. Human Rights Commission, all these things. He's fought against Planned Parenthood, all these things. He's also been for the culture of life. He's not afraid to be for life. And it's like having someone show you you can breathe in, in, in full. Instead of breathing in short bursts, you can breathe deep. So, we, you know, and someone said, well, he was once a liberal pro-choicer. And I say, if God could bring us more converts who would have a zeal to do what he does, we would be well off. And so it's um, that part of it has been good. And I, I do think um, the little that I know about the people around the president, I, I've only met the president a few times, but I know some of his team, um, they tell me, and I, I have a sense of it, that he's very, very um, serious about his faith and moved by his position in history to protect religion, to protect religious freedom. Uh, the Jerusalem thing is a big one. You know, if you notice, you'll notice now, and let's point this out and I'll stop. Uh, Donald Trump has done three or four things that have echoed John Paul II. Um, he visited the shrine of John Paul II last month on June 2nd, which is the anniversary of John Paul II returning to Poland in 1979. He returned on June 2nd. He went to Warsaw of Donald Trump and spoke in, in Warsaw at the square where, where Trump... I think that Trump does see where he is as a spiritual uh, moment, too. And I believe that's part of who he, who he is and what he's called to. And I, I, I recall you mentioned the late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss. She was once asked about this, and she said, we're electing a president, not a pastor. You know, we have our pastors. We, we need to elect a president. And he's been a, God, he's been a God-fearing president. Thank you so much to Shelby for your insight. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. And uh, just a couple of minutes in the lead up to the news. Uh, but Ed, the, the appointments to the Supreme Court, uh, those are significant uh, long-term changes that Trump has made. Uh, what are your thoughts around the conservative value of having uh, those judges yeah. on the Supreme Court? 
Well, it's extraordinary. And Donald Trump did something uh, unheard of for a candidate. He announced who he would put on the court as a candidate. He made a list of 25 names. Um, He's now appointed two to the Supreme Court and almost 300 to the lower courts. And they've all been uh, conservative. They haven't been perfect. We can talk about the Supreme Court has not been perfect. A couple of mixed decisions, which frustrates me. But in general, the direction has been back towards, as we started this conversation, to the Constitution, the rule of law, and our Judeo-Christian tradition. And so it's had a dramatic impact now, and it will for the next 25 years. Let's take another call from a listener. Ebenezer is in Brisbane. Ebenezer, a special welcome along to 2020. Yeah, yeah, hello, hi. Um, I don't think I... I agree with uh, Donald Trump on what's happening. Um, I don't think maybe Christians in America will think that God put him there, but God does not put people that don't unite unite people because God is for oneness. God is not for dividing people. And if you watch Trump, all he's all about is dividing. So... So I don't agree saying that God is God is the one that put Trump there. I'm glad you've so, called in with an alternative view here, Ebenezer. Yeah. And uh, Ed, what are your thoughts for Ebenezer? Well, um, one thing is I, I worry that I, it's hard to describe to you the depiction of uh, President uh, Trump that you may get from CNN, or CNN International or the media. I mean, in America, if you look closely... You know, you see a guy who has done a lot of things for a lot of different communities, including, you know, he's used the pardon power and commutation to help people get out of prison. He has, you know, done things in different different ways. I would just say this. uh, In America, we do have, I'd say the divide in America right now, though, that is worth that I think it's a worldwide problem is between the, the, the forces that believe that secularism and the, you know, the sort of progressive movement will perfect you. If you, you perfect yourself, if you move along away, and those that believe in God, whatever form God takes in terms of the, the tradition. But America fundamentally was always, uh, and at the heart, a Judeo-Christian, our values that hold together why our, our Constitution and our, our laws work has always been about that, those values. Donald Trump has lived up to those values. I know he's rough, you see his tweets. You see him punch back. It is a kind of circus environment. Uh, I had someone say, Phyllis Schlafly said once, she was asked about how coarse he seemed, and she said it's kind of a coarse culture. In other words, you have to deal with where you are. But uh, when it comes to, you say, dividing, the division this president has, um, has, has shown us is a division between those, in my opinion, who seek the truth and are honorable and those that, that don't. And that's more, I'm not talking about Black Lives Matter, the president, I'm talking about people that want to burn down city blocks. If you want to talk about how can we make life better for people, you'll see a willing partner. Donald Trump today was, I was talking about radical school choice to give families a way to get their children into better schools. In America, our government schools are really poorly run in the urban areas. So he's willing to consider lots of options. And, and again, the economy grew before the great pause of the coronavirus to help all uh, parties. There was no, there was no, let me help this hyphenated American or that it was grow the economy for everyone. So uh, on the ground in America, I feel like the division you're seeing is between the the fake news that wants to make people feel bad. And also the people that want to drive God and faith out of the, 
out of our lives. And that's happening in a frighteningly, uh, in a frighteningly dramatic way. People want to push God out and you keep God in your, in, at home in your closet, not even in your religious worship space. So uh, that, I think, would be the more stark uh, division in the, in the country and in the world, actually. Okay. Ebenezer, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might like to have your say. <laughs> Another alternative view from a comment on our Facebook post today, which is asking a question, and the question that we're asking is, do you think U.S. President Donald Trump has deserved the favour of many Christians. And Kelvin has responded and said, Donald Trump uses God as a political tool to gain a following and deceive many. He is a con man and will be America's downfall. Uh, So when you've got this sort of idea coming from some listeners who are not all together uh, on the side of saying that Donald Trump is God's man in power, uh, some are saying that he's using the Christian constituency. What are your thoughts around that type of uh, idea? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I don't look, I have, I have, in my life and in the way I have, have structured my life, and I think it is very American, um, I don't look um, to my president or any elected official for my religious guidance. You know, I don't elect the president, I elect the pastor. In my family, you know, as the, as the father to my family, four children, and my wife. I have a specific role, so does my wife, and our church does, and then the elders in our church. So I think um, I I know what people say when they what they mean when they say so and so elected official uses God. I look at the fruits. I look at the fruits of the vine, and what is it? So Donald Trump does say a lot about you know what he thinks and how he wants voters to vote for him. Then I look at the fruits. I say to myself. What is it that he has done to protect life, to protect religious liberty, to protect the rule of law in America, to create a culture? You know, he made people think it sounds funny when he said he's going to run and we're going to say Merry Christmas again. It's a big deal that we have a president who's fearlessly for Merry Christmas. And people say, well, what does that mean? It means that there's a sort of freedom when your leaders are, 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 are not ashamed. They're not holding back that you don't have to hold back. So I, I look at the fruits of judges. You know, I said over 300 judges at the highest levels appointed. I look at the defunding of Planned Parenthood, which does so many abortions, uh, the, the, the opportunities the president has done. You know, the Supreme Court in America just ruled that transgenderism has some protections under the law. We were all upset about that. Within days, Donald Trump said his education department within the rules that it's allowed to, will not honor that rule because it only binds one aspect of the law. And so on the values that I care about, I see a man who is in line with what the God-fearing and the church people want. So I feel good about that. Do I hope he gets closer to the Lord and gets even more uh, uh, you know, open about his faith? I'd like that. I think it would be powerful if he was. But I'm, not, I'm looking for the fruits of the vine that he is he is doing, and I'm seeing positive things. And, and I do think, and again, in America, you choose between two parties. The Democrat Party has become the party of abortion on demand. They become the party that, 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 that speaks about women and sexuality, the Me Too movement, with total hypocrisy. On one hand, they honor the promiscuity of pornography. On another hand, on the other hand, they say they respect women. I have a daughter. You can't do both. You cannot be for pornography and licentiousness and then say you're for women. And the Republican Party is certainly not perfect, but its policies 
and this president have been better about allowing us to build the culture around the family a husband, a wife, and, and children when it when it is possible. So that's a big deal too. We're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Stephen in Brisbane. Hi, Stephen. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Neil. Look, I agree. I mean, when you look at people like that Nancy Pelosi and that um, Joe Biden, I mean, people actually think that these, these two people represent them. I mean, it doesn't say much for them if they want an alcoholic drunk like Nancy Pelosi they can't, can't even string two words together without it sounding like she's half-wasted. Then you've got creepy Joe Biden. He goes up pissing his granddaughter the way he does. Is that the sort of America that people want? Yep. I mean, Donald Trump get fired from the hip. Yes, he's a bit like, um, I guess you'd say, a bit of a John Wayne sort of character, but he's calling it the way it is. And a lot of these, um, including that one that's called AOC, that... Um, uh, Democrat in New York. She'd be one of the most ill-informed, uneducated... Stephen, um, you're making yeah. some good points there. Let's get a, a thought or two from Ed, because uh, <laughs> while people might be criticising Donald Trump, and a uh, good point that you made earlier, we don't get our spiritual standards from a politician, uh, but we're, <laughs> but Stephen's making comments about the alternative here. And so uh, what sort of alternative well, is have, there yeah. when it comes to a Christian yeah, I, spiritual standard? Yeah, and I would just say Nancy Pelosi is, is the third highest ranking official. She's Speaker of the House. That's a big deal. Uh, Joe Biden is the nominee for the Democrats. Both call themselves devout Catholics, Christian Catholics, and yet their position is for abortion on demand. Both call themselves devout Catholics, and therefore they're supposed to honor the image and likeness of God in everyone, and yet they, they have a, a view of the human person that is very transactional in blocks and things. You know, you're, you're only valuable if you're in this block, African-American, or this block, LGBT. So I, I find that their approach is, is not particularly Christian. But again, I judge their fruits. And the fruits of their, the, you know, the fruits of their vine is that they support tax dollars for abortion. They support, you know, the, the sort of rabid transformation of America, as someone referred to, towards these cultural Marxists and these people that want God out of our lives. That fruit is unacceptable to me. I, I pray for Nancy Pelosi. I pray for Joe Biden because I'm told to pray, and the Lord tells us to pray for all those, our enemies, those that persecute us, not just the ones we like. But I do marvel when they have a straight face and say, look at me. Nancy Pelosi often says she's a devout Catholic, and I say, I don't know how you can act like that and be a devout Catholic. So, again, in America, we end up with a choice between the two parties at the, at the national presidential level, the two candidates. And I do think that's going to be striking. And when you look at the exit data, my prediction on November 3rd, you're going to see that more Catholics than even last time went with uh, the, the Protestant Trump than the Catholic Biden because they don't agree with the culture that a guy like Biden uh, is embracing. You know, again, another thing is conservative Christians believe in rules. We believe in the, in the commandments. And then if you break them, you're held accountable. The left in America wants to defund law enforcement and, and, and say that the rules only apply some of the time. That, that is not a way to live in society. It doesn't work. And I don't think it will be successful politically. Thank you so much to Stephen for your call. 1-800-316-316 to participate in our conversation. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hi, Chris. Uh, good morning, uh, Neil and guest. Yeah, I just believe that Donald Trump is a figure like, you know, the male version of Esther for a time such as this. Um, 
he definitely is doing all the things that at least promote Christianity. And, and, and regarding the thing at the moment, the most important thing, this Black Lives Matter movement, the leaders and founders of it uh, have categorically stated that their main objective was to get Trump out, and they are definitely trained mm-hmm. Marxists. So, you know, they're just going to bring in every sort of thing that is going to undermine, you know, Christianity. So, uh, Chris, good thought. A response from Ed? Well, I think one on Black Lives Matter, if you look at what they were founded on and what they're about, they're anti-West. Uh, um, that's, uh, you know, they're anti-Christianity, sure, but they're anti America. So I agree that I just said one broad point that Phyllis Schlafly used to talk about. World communism is a threat to all believers. And, and a lot of what you're seeing in America, the idea of getting rid of your history, getting rid of your culture, is a communist move that's about ending the way you relate to each other in community, relate to your faith, relate to the, the risen Christ who came to us in time. All these things matter. I think that's what we're seeing. And there has been in the last hundred years a globalist movement that sought to to take away from each country our sovereignty in certain ways and replace it with uh, world power. And I think Donald Trump is called in this moment. He's I've heard from leaders from Poland to Australia to you know back to America how his America first has emboldened them to be about their people first in a way that is healthy, not uh, not uh, disordered. And I think that's a big part of what he's called to do also. Chris, thank you so much for your call. Let's take one more call. Let's hear from Zoe in Tasmania. Hi, Zoe. Hello. Zoe, what are your thoughts? Um, as a Christian, I believe that like people should have equality. And there are some views that I find that Donald Trump does not um, have, like giving, denying medical care to transgenders, even... So, like, they were, God made them who they are. They may have been born differently, but, like, they have their own views in life and they're still people and God loves everybody. And it's just heartbreaking to see that people are actually saying all these things and just denying people to live, pretty much. They're saying, well, this person's not good enough. And Zoe, you're making a, some good thoughts there and uh, controversial ones. Ed, what are your thoughts for Zoe? Well, the transgender thing is sweeping across our country. Maybe it is yours. And I, yeah. I just object to uh, it because it's not a, it's not a, I don't think it's an objective reality. I think it's something that's been uh, created and it's a construct. You're right. Every single person with whatever uh, concern or feeling they have is God's child and loved. I don't know what you mean that Donald Trump has denied. He's, if you mean that in the military, he said, we're not going to pay for transition uh, of transgenders. I think the answer there is we want a military that's a fighting force. If you go in the military and you turn out to have other needs in terms of surgery, you also are expelled from the military. So I don't know about that. But I, I do think this transgender thing is, uh, is becoming uh, a real problem because people who want to be good to each other, which I respect, uh, are, are mistaking. You know, when we're born, we have, a, we have our sex, male or female, uh, when this idea of having all these gender decisions, it may be feelings, it may be psychological, it may be all that. It's not the same. It's like an African-American person is an African-American person. He's not someone who can transition to that. And, and in America, we're confusing all these things together. And, and I think that they're trying to do it, meaning the left, to also confuse families, confuse people. There's a book coming out that refers to the rampant abuse, and I use the term carefully, of young people 
by people who want to help them transition and transgender and surgery and all. This is uh, this is a frightening thing that we should address. So, I, but I don't think Donald Trump has been unkind to any of those groups in the sense that they're still American. You don't get denied uh, health care coverage in America. If you go to an emergency room, anybody, even an Australian visiting, you get health care coverage. That's uh, that's always been true since about 1986. So, um, but we are. I'm glad this president is 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 standing up to the idea that that transgender is going to be normalized. I don't think we can normalize that, and I. I respectfully disagree uh, with the caller if she thinks we can or should. Zoe, thank you so much for your call. And uh, we'll put a line under any calls from here. You can respond to that question that we have on our Facebook poll today that asks, do you think US President Donald Trump has deserved the favour of many Christians? And uh, you can certainly engage in some uh, lively conversation on that Facebook post. Hey, just a few minutes remaining. Uh, let's come back to the divisions, Ed. Uh, you've got an election yeah. coming up in November. Uh, all sorts of issues will be developing and uh, issues internationally too around China and how to deal mm-hmm. with China and rising superpowers. That's probably a bigger conversation for another day. But let's focus on the things that are going on in, say, the city of Seattle, where city blocks have been made yeah. police-free zones, a major law and order issue. And it appears to be that Democrats are taking one side, a very lax position, and conservatives are likely to take some sort of more firm stand on law and order. Where do you think uh, Trump will be in that and Biden will be as that develops? Yeah, it's a great comment and it's a great point because in all of our major cities, and there's only a few that aren't, it isn't so, almost every major city is run by the Liberal Democrat Party. In, in, in you know St. Louis, where I'm from, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, New York. And so it's their sort of mess. And uh, in Seattle, as you point out, the mayor and the governor, both very liberal Democrats, have said until yesterday, they said, we're going to let them live in this occupied area. President Trump, to his credit, said America has these 50 states where you get to be uh, you get to be uh, in your in your space uh, and do your thing. I'm not going to force my way. in. if you ask for help, I'll come with the military, but I'm not going to come unless you ask me. I think that's a smart decision because otherwise you're looking like a bully. Well, it turns out Seattle yesterday, Neil, the mayor decided we had a rape and a, and a killing over the weekend. We're going to have to break up this uh, zone here. So I, here's one prediction I will say, Neil, most Americans, most Americans are, are not interested in letting lawlessness reign. And I think that even if they've been quiet, they want law and order. And I think you're going to see that that's everywhere they've had the city blocks burned and small businesses ruined. You're going to see people resent the party in power there, which is Democrats. But but I, I, I think it's um, it is complicated because um, you hate to see the loss of life and the loss of property. And then you want to say, fix it. But I think the president has been right to say you got to let the local community handle it until they ask for help and help. Uh, it does appear, too, that there are a lot of uh, of different groups and agitating using violence yeah. uh, to be able to make right. their comment. And perhaps we've not seen this for a long time uh, in your nation and we haven't seen it in ours. And uh, But there's potential for that sort of thing uh, boiling over. Are you predicting that there's going to be a whole lot more violence uh, to dominate some headlines into the near uh, future in the lead up to the election? Uh, 
I think that there will be some protests, but no, I think actually the summer, you know, I hate to say this, but part of the reason the way it played out is we were all cooped up for two and a half, three months. And then this started to happen. A lot of people got out. This is a, I think we'll settle down now. I, I'll give you a, Neil, as we finish a, a counterintuitive prediction. I actually think we're on the edge in America of one of the most extraordinary time periods in our history. Um, we have technology that's changing in a good way. Some of it's scary, but a good way. We have jobs moving home. I think we're going to see in some ways people can't see now we're at a, a sort of dark before dawn and that when we come through this, there's a lot more willingness to fix problems. I mentioned the schools. I mentioned, you know, finding ways to get people out. I actually think that um, after this election, my prediction is Trump wins, but I think there'll be a, a there'll be a period that will be different than you might expect. And I, I, I think it will be really wonderful. I think there will be a renewal in America that has to do with our faith. Uh, that we don't see coming. I feel that com- I feel that happening in our churches, and I think that will be positive. So I'm I'm prayerfully optimistic that even as we suffer through these tensions, that we can uh, grow out of them. And I think that's what I think that's what God wants us to do, and what Christ teaches us. And I think we have to be not afraid, as He says. Well, Ed, great insights over this past hour. Let me just come back to that Facebook poll that asked the question: Do you think U.S. President Donald Trump has deserved? the favour of many Christians. Uh, Responses from our Australian audience uh, today on 2020, 72% saying, yes, he deserves the favour. 27% have said, no, he does not. Uh, Ed, let Mm. me just ask, well, uh, let me just say, uh, you've written a number of books. Uh, You co-wrote a book with Phyllis Schlafly, uh, The Conservative Case for Trump. Uh, You wrote a book too in 2017, Can't Trump This?, and you are a, oh. a, a a blogger, and you do want to make comment. Uh, EdMartinLive.com, your website. Uh, so for people who want yes. to connect with you, is that the best website for people to connect with Ed Martin? Yes. If you go to EdMartinLive.com, you can sign up. I send a daily email out each morning my time, so it'll be uh, in the evening your time. And I, if you email me there, it gets to my email. I'm on social media at Twitter. I do a daily radio show also, a one-hour uh, program that is available on edmartinlive.com and broadcast through uh, the states. So I'd love to connect with people. And I have, as I told you, I have great affection for Australia and for uh, Endeavor Forum and my friend Babat Francis and others. So uh, pray for me and pray for our country. And I'll certainly pray for you and, and the Australians. I think you've gained a few friends and there'll be a few extra prayers going up for you, Ed, and for the United States. Uh, Thank you so much for taking some time to, and I know you've stayed up late uh, in your home, and uh, it must be somewhere around about 9.30 right now, as I understand it. So, uh, Ed, thanks for staying up. President of the Eagle Forum, that uh, website to connect with Ed, edmartinlive.com. Ed, thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. God bless you all. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.